0: This is the Divine Peace Church Rockwall Podcast. Every week we'll share a message focusing on teaching solid biblical truth in our community. Service will continue with the sermon. The sermon is going to be based on a portion of our gospel reading from Matthew chapter 10. It's going to be verses 28 through 33. Again, you can follow along one of the Bibles in the pew in front of you or if you brought your Bible from home, or even if you have a Bible app. We'll begin with this prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. Amen. Hey, yeah, service started already, but it's okay because it's online. So if you want to follow online, that's fine. We just started the sermon, so don't worry about it. Sorry about that. Kids, do you even recognize what this is? Like these days, like phones have, this is a phone, there's a cord, there's supposed to be another cord that would plug into the wall, you can't watch movies on it, you can't play games on it. Believe it or not, this is a toy but it did actually used to make those noises. And you can't look up phone numbers on here either, you have to have them in your mind or even written on a piece of paper like a big book, and you'd have to look up all these numbers and call people. That's how it used to be, kids. So you should be happy that you have these fancy new phones that can do all kinds of things. So you may not be familiar with this, but even if you're a kid, you're probably familiar with that game called Telephone. Pretty simple, if you wanna play Telephone, you just get a bunch of your friends, and you make a loose circular shape if you can. One of you comes up with, a message, usually it's short, like one sentence, and then you whisper that to the person to your right, and then they whisper that to the next person over in their ear, and it goes around the circle. Eventually, it comes back to the person who first created the message. Oftentimes, the message has mysteriously changed uh, as it's gone around the circle. and uh, usually causes a lot of confusion, but mostly giggles, and it's a very silly game, and most of you have probably played it. Again, the consequences when the message changes when you're playing telephone usually leads to giggles. and It's not a very big deal. When the message of the Bible changes, it is a big deal. The leadership, the political and religious leadership that was over the southern kingdom of Judah, this would have been the southern kingdom of Israel, they had totally changed the narrative on God. They did this because they had lost their fear of God. And because of their false teachings, they had now emptied God's people, this whole kingdom of Judah, of fear of God. And they filled that void with the pagan gods around them, the false gods, the idols that were around them. And they also then adopted the kind of worship of the pagan societies around them. Worship that, believe it or not, was characterized by human sacrifice and male and female prostitutes. This is what they had embraced. And because of their path away from God, because of their idolatry and sin, God threatened to destroy them for their wickedness. But God did not want them to be destroyed. He wanted them to be His people, to turn back to Him, to trust in His forgiveness and mercy and deliverance. And so he sent to them prophets, one of which was Jeremiah. Prophet Jeremiah was sent to the southern kingdom of Judah in 627 B.C. He's easy to date because we get a lot of information about the kings and the kingdoms around him at that time. And he served for 40 years. For 40 years he went to the people with God's message, calling them out very clearly on their sin. And the punishment and destruction God was threatening them with, but he also met them with the call of repentance and to turn to God's deliverance. And for all that love that God had, his willingness to turn around and not destroy the people, but to save them, and for Jeremiah's love for decades to go to the people with this same message, the people hated Jeremiah, and they hurt him and they were violent against him. And we get one example of that in the verses just before our Old Testament reading from Jeremiah 20. When the priest Pasher, son of Immer, the official in charge of the temple of God, so this guy's a big deal, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, he had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put in the stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. So to clarify that, the situation was so bad in Judah that a priest of God's temple, heard Jeremiah prophesying, sharing the word of God, and his instinct was to have Jeremiah beaten, handcuffed, and put in jail for an evening at the temple. And now we hear Jeremiah's response in our Old Testament reading from Jeremiah 20. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Jeremiah had to share the message, even if it meant insult, even if it meant physical harm. And like Jeremiah Jesus, when he sent his disciples out, was very clear with the disciples. The message they were share, the same message of repentance, would mean the people around them would hate them. In our gospel reading from Matthew chapter 10, we pick up with Jesus encouraging his disciples. He didn't hide it from them, that their work would mean insults and even physical retaliation from the people around them. So one of the truths Jesus shared with the disciples addressed the fear that they would have. But he redirected them to understand what kind of fear they ought to have. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Again, it would be very natural for the disciples to be filled with fear as they came to a new town or had a conversation with a new person about Jesus and repentance and their sinfulness, and the people hated them and were violent against them, would drive them out of town, or even stone them or handcuff them, it would be natural for them to have this kind of fear and to worry and maybe not want to share the message. But Jesus reminded them that they are not just a physical body, but also a soul. And the same is true for you. You are body and soul. And as with the disciples, you carry that label of Christian and the call to share Jesus with the people that are around you. But you know that sharing that label of Christian and sharing Jesus with others will often mean rejection. And perhaps even physical harm. Maybe not today, but maybe someday, or maybe it has happened to you that you've endured physical harm because you are a Christian or because you have shared Jesus with somebody. So then, you withhold who you are, avoiding that kind of conflict. But then you feel guilty because you do know that you are a Christian and that Jesus is God and that people do need to hear about it and God does want you to tell people about it. So then, you just come up with all these coping mechanisms. And you say, well, because of my age or because of my personality or my gender or my education level, my personal history, whether it's a sinful past or a past that isn't very deep in knowledge of the Bible or because of my income or because of the laws of the government around me or because of rules at school or because of rules at my job or because of societal norms. And I think I'm getting close to covering all the different things that we like to come up with to make excuses. You may think of them as coping mechanisms. These are really excuses to not allowing the people around you to know that you are a Christian and to not share Jesus with them. See, because there is no middle ground when people ask you about your Christian faith or about Jesus. There's no middle ground. There's no, maybe I'm a Christian? Maybe Jesus is your Savior and the Savior of the world? There's no maybe answer. That doesn't work. But this is difficult. It's difficult for all of us to hold on to these two truths. One, knowing Jesus is your Savior. That he saved you from sin, and you're going to be with him in heaven forever. And also knowing God calls you to be honest. That you are a believer. And to know that the world will hate you. Most of the world will hate you when you do share this. And so the difficulty really comes down to fear. This is what keeps you. I'm saying, yep, I'm a Christian. Yes, I believe in Jesus, and he's your savior as well. What's the wrong kind of fear? See, it's the fear of people. You are afraid of physical harm. But people cannot harm you or judge you for eternity. God can. People cannot hurt your soul. God is in control of both. Body and soul. And so it's true, you have not always acknowledged Jesus in your life. You have been afraid of people, what they'll think of you, what they'll say about you, even their threats, even their physical threats and weapons. You have been more afraid of that than God. Which really then puts people in place of God. You have made people more powerful than God, which is another way of saying idolatry. You have put more stock and more fear in people than God, and so you have fallen into idolatry. And for that pattern that is in your life, there is no excuse and no defense when you stand before God Almighty on Judgment Day. That's what you need to fear most, is the judgment of God. But Jesus reminds you who holds the real power. Jesus' disciples faced social, religious, political judgment. All the different kinds of leaders and leadership of the day were against them. The vast majority of Jesus' disciples died martyrs' deaths. The world was opposed to them, but this is the rest of the message that Jesus encourages them with. He said, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, which are people. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus taught his disciples not to fear people, but to fear God. God is able to destroy soul and body in hell, which also means God is able to keep body and soul alive forever in heaven. So for all the guilt that you have, not being honest about who you are, not sharing Jesus with others, for all the fear of God's judgment. Jesus reminds us that he is more powerful than people. He is more powerful than you and whatever you think about yourself. And more than that, Jesus goes on to describe his power and the depth of his love. Jesus went on to say, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus pauses here and he points out the fact that God is well aware of sparrows. An unimportant, a bird of little value, a common bird. He knows when they hatch, when they live, and when they fall to the ground. Of all of them, not just one, but all sparrows. And he also adds this superfluous knowledge of God that he knows the number of hairs on your head at at any time and the number of hairs on everybody's head, whether they're a lot or a little, of all people, of all time. God knows that. So God, Jesus, makes these two points. He knows everything about the sparrows. He knows even the number of hairs on your head, all to say you are more valuable than all of that. God is this great depth of knowledge about these silly things, but you mean far more to him than those silly things. So do not be afraid. Because really it comes down to this. You are more valuable. Your body and soul, this is what they are worth to God. Your body and soul are worth Jesus' body and soul to God. Jesus told people who he was. All those times when you did not, Jesus was very clear about who he was to people, knowing full well it meant that they would condemn him to death on the cross. The price that he put on you was his own life, then. And his motivation to do that was love, not fear. Despite who you are, what you've done, or what you have not done or said, or lived out, Jesus still loves you. God still loves you so much that he was willing to equate the value of your life with the value of his own son. So whenever you have any guilt or fear or worry about the judgment of the world or what they can harm you with, or even the judgment of God, know these two things. One, the world poured out its worst attack on Jesus, which is to kill somebody, and Jesus came back. He's alive now in heaven with all of his glory and power. So the worst weapon of the world is nothing. And when you fear God's judgment, understand this. Jesus took all of your sins on himself. Every moment where you were not bold or where you were scared or fearful or intimidated, that was all put on him. And God's judgment was carried out on him at the cross. Jesus experienced hell for you on the cross. So you have no fear of it. So your answer in every situation is Jesus. It is Jesus' love that removes fear. Whenever you are filled with fear, it is always the place to go is Scripture, to be reminded of God's great love for you, the worth that He applied to your life. It is His love that drives out fear. And so your motivation, too, then, to claim that you are a Christian or to share Jesus with others does not come from fear or guilt Are you trying to just well it up enough in you to get this message out? It does not come from you. To be honest about who you are to share Jesus, it comes from God's love, which is outside of you. And it comes to you through the word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is God's love that makes you bold and confident that God is with you and protecting you. God's love cannot be contained, just like Jeremiah said. His word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. And Jesus then gives this encouragement to the disciples, which is also true for you, and it was also true for Jeremiah. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others... I will disown before my Father in heaven. Jesus stands in heaven right now, publicly acknowledging you by your full name to his Father in heaven, saying, you are a citizen of heaven. You are one of my own. You are my brother or sister. You will be with me here forever. Jesus stands doing that right now for you because of his great love and his great power because he bought you with his own body. but most of the world will still reject this. Which makes what Paul wrote to Timothy in our New Testament reading from 2 Timothy 4 still true today, as true as it was 2,000 years ago. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths, But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. As Paul wrote this to young Pastor Timothy, Paul knew that his time in this world was coming to an end. These are some of the last words that he wrote to Timothy. And so his words were words of encouragement, but also the truth of the reality of his situation. Paul, for decades, had been persecuted, and he would die a martyr's death. Timothy was starting out on that same path. He was to hold true to the Word of God, to sound doctrine, to the one true God, and to endure any persecutions that he would face, to continue to be an evangelist, to continue to share Jesus with others, even full well knowing it would bring persecution, to carry out all aspects of his ministry, And this continues to apply to pastors today, that they would hold to sound doctrine and the truth of God's Word, even if it means persecution, even if it means insult and rejection. And it also applies to you, you who listen to pastors, you who listen to anybody with a spiritual message. You are to hold on to what is true and to reject what is false, even if it means persecution. And by holding on to that true word of God. That you have been clothed by Christ's righteousness. That Jesus is the Savior of the world. By holding on to that in any hardship that you face in your life. Even when you are on your deathbed. By holding on to that, you get to share these words with confidence. The words of Jeremiah. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. Sing to the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. Often when you play the game telephone, message changes and it's fine. It's silly. It's met with giggles. But fear changes the message of Scripture. It alters or makes ambiguous who Jesus is and the God of Scripture and truth. It's fear. But the consequences for changing Jesus are eternal and condemning to hell. But most will reject this message, again, because they fear people. But you're not to fear people. You are to fear the one who can destroy body and soul in hell, which is God. And again, that also means he can keep body and soul alive forever in heaven. And Jesus considered you, body and soul, worth his own body and soul. And so he was put to death for your sins. He has saved you from death. He has saved you from an eternity in hell. He has made you one of his citizens. And so you will live with him in heaven forever. As you acknowledge Jesus in your life, do not be afraid. You are worth Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Divine Peace Church Rockwall Podcast. For video sermon archives, more information, and to let us know how we can pray for or serve you, go to DivinePeace.com.